Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Robcast. Uh, this is the part in the year where I generally shut things down <laughs> and go off the grid and such. So um, we're going to do an interview today with our beloved friend, Alexander Shia. Alexander, welcome. Welcome to Los Angeles. Welcome to the back house. Welcome back. It is great to, the to be. It's great to be here. And is this and the th third this, be, being in this room with you is uh, it just I, I mark my year by this moment. Is this the third or fourth third year in a row when you stop by in December? The third year in a row for December. Man. Yeah, and the, and the and three years ago was a very difficult moment for me. I went from I went from your house to the hospital. Yeah, and you you were close to the end. I was very close to the edge. And I'm uh, Alexander and I just had lunch. You, it's only been this year that you felt back yeah. to whole. Yeah, recovery from surgery or coming back from death has been a two and a half year process. And I mean, now I am just in this place of vitality and joy and loving life and feeling good. Oh so my goodness! Well, it's just I I can see the vitality. And um, everybody, we just had lunch, and I was like, so what do you want to talk about on the Robcast, knowing he would casually be dropping some bombs, and <laughs> he had so much to say at lunch. I'm going to do my best now to get, take him through everything that he said, everything that you said at lunch, I'm hoping. Uh, a couple things before that. Um, December 19th, Lar my annual show at Largo. And um, I'm going to be talking about Mother Mary and our beloved friends, your your favorite band, Joseph, will be doing some songs. And who knows who else may show up. But uh, my Largo Christmas show is always joy. And so that's happening. Tickets are at Largo-LA.com. And then if you want to hear the Holy Shift tour, um, you can download the audio at my site. And then... Tickets are up for the first few cities of next year's tour, which is called An Introduction to Joy. We have to, you need to come out to one of these tour stops. I would love to. Okay. We have to work this out. We do. I, mean, I just have to stay in the States long enough. The first two tour starts in Orlando in January 18th, then it goes to Tampa January 19th. And uh, so, Florida, I see you and I am coming your way to start the Introduction to Joy tour. Did I, did I leave anything out? I think that's the things that are happening. A um, couple things that are going on, but that's all that. We have Alexander Shia in the back house. <laughs> I am here. <laughs> he is an international figure with a background in anthropology. He studied with Joseph Campbell. He was born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama. Believe it. <laughs> and your family... Uh, your grandmother came from Lebanon? All my family. And my, my parents were born in Lebanon and came here as children. So a Lebanese, Alabama anthropologist. And it all comes together in this beautiful human being we know to be oh, Alexander Shia. For, so, for the very first time this year, I got a chance to go to Ellis Island, and it blew me away. I just sobbed looking at those stories and realizing mm -hmm. for the first time what my grandparents went through to, and, and my parents as children to come here. 
And your grandmother had your mother when she was 14? Yes. My grandmother was was married at the age of 13 and had my mother during her 14th year. In Lebanon? In Lebanon. And then when did they come to the States? um, My mother was just about a year old. When a 14-year-old mother left Lebanon and came to the States? Right. And would it have been the 40s? What, what year would that have been? Oh, 1912. 1912. Good Lord, I was off by 30 years. Yeah. 1912. 1912. And the ship was uh, storm. There were great storms in the Atlantic. Uh, the ship was stalled. I ran out of food. Scurvy broke out. Uh, and I won't even go into the rest of what they faced, but it was, they were so fearful that when they got to Ellis Island that they were going to be turned, sit back because they were sick. So and that's I, only... I just, I, I stood at Ellis Island, I looked over at the Statue of Liberty, and one of the details about the statue, which I never knew before, was is that she's, her, her left foot is raised. Yeah. Um, that she's not standing waiting for immigrants. She's reaching out for them. Anyway. That's really beautiful. So... Uh... Today, let's talk about the two things that seemed to, that I was like, oh, everybody needs to hear this. When we talked about darkness, and then you were like, I want to talk about hope. So yeah. let's talk about darkness, then we'll talk about hope. Um, Advent season. In December, end of November, December, something within me that's tuned into nature starts to shut down something within me outside of the calendar is like shut it down um i find i'm much like sleep quiet things i've been saying for the past year stop saying those things stop telling those stories we're done we're wrapping something up which more and more i'm realizing is a a a body heart soul connection with what the natural rhythms of creation are doing all around me and that advent was people for literally thousands of years naming these cyclical patterns in nature. Right. So I mean, the, 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 the part of me wants to give this um, wake-up call to larger Christianity, uh, because for Christianity in the Northern Hemisphere, our, our whole cycle of feasts were set by the earth. And, I mean, you can look at all the the council documents and the letters, but all that yada, yada, yada stuff, all of this came out of the earth. We were responding to what the, to the spirituality of the earth. Christianity is at its heart an eco-spirituality. Which is the same for lots of traditions. uh, Yes. At some level. It's not, it's it's a human thing. It's a human thing. Yeah. I mean, you can say it's an indigenous thing. And I actually prefer the word indigenous over pagan. Pagan means of the earth, but um, Christianity at its best is an indigenous spirituality because we're deeply living from what the earth is giving us. So where does this whole thing about Advent come from? Well, when the Christian world met the Celtic world, and I like to remind us that in this, and we're talking 4th, 5th century uh, common error, and the Celtic world goes from Ireland to Turkey, but it, the Celtic world does not come south of the Alps. 
So that entire northern sweep of Europe is bound by one sort of core practice, uh, which is this seeing the great tree that joins the underworld and this level and the uh, uh, overworld together. Um, and the understanding of the sun, S-U-N, the sun cycle. So from Ireland to Turkey, all of those regions have got their own particular expression of the tree in the sun cycle, but that's really the Celtic world. What's the, tr the tree? It's like a trunk? Yes, the great, the, the great tree that holds all three levels of the world together. And the roots go below the earth. The roots go the below the world, earth. The netherworld. This world. is the upside down from Stranger Things? Yes. Like what? <laughs> and then the trunk that's in the middle would be what we know? With, yes, our level of reality. I'm just riffing here. Yeah. And I can imagine then the top, the branches, the leaves way up top would be the... Heavens, the upper world. The upper world, okay. Right. <clears throat> so there's and a that, great tree of being... Right, which, which we understand ourselves as, the tree becomes a representative of us, and how we each are called to hold those three worlds together. And, and, uh, me, and those three worlds, as they're experienced for a human, would be the ideal heavens? How, how would you say that? Uh, I, the, um, the heavens would be our, our, our highest potential. Yep. Uh, the underworld would be our deep resources. Uh. And this level is where we have to bring both of those together and do our best, do what's possible. Wait, the, the roots, the under, isn't like fire, hell, no. darkness, judgment. No, absolutely not. Most people would be like, oh, the down part is yeah, like... No, 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 no. No, no. no that, that, that's the core resources. Because the Celts were always about the goodness of things. Absolutely. Not about splitting everything up no, into, no. you're going to go to a good place or a bad place. No, they were no, about no, no. the integration and that which is deepest within you is good. Right. I mean, the, the, that's why the, the, the Celts never came into Greece. Greece is that reality that split everything apart into warring opposites. Uh, all those binaries of heaven and hell, yes, dark light, Greek. you're either this yeah. or that. Classical Greek philosophy is very dualistic. The Celtic world is very holistic. Yeah. Every, everything has its place in right relationship to each other. Whereas the, whereas the Greek world is, is everything in the world fights each other. It's, it's like exactly. The, the Greek world, heaven and earth fight each other. Male and female fight each other. Light and dark fight each other. That's the Greek world. Opposition versus integration. Exactly. Beautiful way to say that. Yes. All of this. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> really, I love it. Right. Which Opposition is, and integration. Uh, um, and you have two different forms of Christianity, depending on which of those worldviews you come out of. Because oh, we go all day on that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so the Celts saw this great tree of being, and the roots are your resources? Yes. The roots are... Depth, the roots are... Their, their depth, their, their, your history, they're where you come from. They are giving you, like, your DNA. They're giving you what, what is your potential to do in this life. Uh, yeah, it's like what we got to work with here. Yes. Oh, man. My favorite movie ever is Chariots of Fire. Uh, no. You know, and when uh. the the Sam, the trainer... Yeah. Checks out Harold Abrams. He's like, you can't put in what God's left out. Yeah. Yeah. 
You're going to have me crying here. Oh, I watch that movie on a regular basis, and to this day, it wrecks me. Oh, my word. And my family's like, you're out of your mind. I'm like, I know. (laughs) Yeah, you can't. Okay, so there's these. Okay, so Celts have this view, but then the Jesus movement roams south, southern Europe, makes its way north, goes over the Alps, and encounters this Celtic world. Right, and as long as Christianity stayed in the Mediterranean, we stayed very close to our Jewish mother in the way we practiced, and the way we saw the world. And the Jewish um, uh, cycle of feasts are, are really much more about the moon than the sun. Ah, uh, yeah. And so... And harvests, and, and, based on that. Right. So we, we, as when we went north of the Alps, we had to translate, and I really think that this is the best form of Christianity, we, we, when we said, oh, we don't have to hold on to the moon cycle. Uh, we understand the Christ story in what you... What your life is about, we see it. Let us let us share with you how we see the Christ story and what you already know. The Christ already present. The Christ already present. We can't go anywhere and bring the Christ. <laughs> Christ is everywhere. Christ has always been everywhere. What the H? <laughs> yeah, what the H? Right. <laughs> I love the series. I was oh, just that's com- very kind. Coming of you. off the Camino, I had to sit down and listen to the whole 11... 11 podcast. Whoa. That's a committed, it was fun. That's a committed friend right fun. there. Um, but so, so yeah, so, so we go north to the Celtic world and we say, ah, look at the truth. Look at just a slightly deeper truth to what you already know. Mm-hmm. And so we understand from our Mediterraneanness and our, um, value for the Jewish sense of darkness and the night, and the, in the Jewish sense of darkness, the night is the place of recreation. You know, at the beginning of every Shabbat service, the assembly turns to the door of the synagogue or the temple, and they open it, and they pray, and they welcome in the queen of the night who comes to bring restoration and recreation. Uh, so Night is not to be feared. No! Darkness is no, not no, to no, be no. abhorred or avoided. No, 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 it's no. understood to be a very normal, healthy, natural, necessary part of the rhythms Integration, not opposites. Integration, <laughs> not opposites. Yes. Yes. Oh, I mean, and the so scientists great. today are telling us how we need more... Uh, we need darkness, and they're actually concerned about how much in the cities uh, light is is taking away our creativity because there's too much light. So well, it's, it's interesting you say that because there's a um, drugstore pharmacy here in the neighborhood that's like open 24 hours and it has these horrific neon lights, and it's something. Um, it's architecturally abysmal. Um, I did a whole Largo show about how the architecture is just a defense to the soul, <laughs> but it, it, the see, lack see, of see, darkness see, 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 see. and and the almost the ignorance of what all of creation is doing around it yes. yeah. just it disturbs me at some profound spiritual level. Like, yeah. no, this is not just an architecture issue. This is not just an economics issue. This is this is <laughs> this is something about this is something off, right. really off. Right. So the, the Celtic world understood, and we understood in our Mediterranean metaphor, that darkness is the beginning. 
and that you you can't move forward if you don't do well the beginning. You you you're building a house on sand. So when we go to the Celtic world, they have this powerful season which is critical to their experience of their lives and their whole year. And this season goes from the third day of November until the winter solstice. And in those days, the winter solstice was December the 25th. It's like in the 16th century, we had to reform the calendar because the growing cycle and the sun and moon calendar were way off. And as we described, December had slipped to the springtime. So this time from early November all the way to the winter solstice was the time of holy darkness where they understood that they needed to rest. The harvest was over. They could now step back. They could rest. They could be recreated. They could allow nature to fill them again. They could have new dreams uh, they needed to set aside the old words. They needed to set aside the, the old dreams for a moment and see what newness would happen for them in this dark time. And so Christianity comes and sees this and goes, ah, we're going to call this dark time Advent, beginning time. And this beginning time, this going into this dark beginning time, will be the place that will rediscover our vitality and our creativity. If not rediscover it wholly new, rediscover it deeper. Be reformed, be revitalized uh, in this time of darkness, which is the beginning. So to me, it, it's a sadness that later in our in Christian history, uh, Advent was shortened to be four weeks before the winter solstice, Christmas, as opposed to understanding what is, I think, much more human and in, in us, that we just sort of in, instinctively know that this whole time for us in the Northern Hemisphere of November and December, the dark time, is a time to be embraced. And so in a Celtic way, uh, we don't light candles in this time against the darkness. That's the old Greek dualism. Uh, in the Celtic way of integration, we light candles in the dark season. We decorate our houses with lights. We put lights on a tree because we want to decorate the darkness. We want to make the darkness luminous. That's the meaning of this time. And... I lived in the Southern Hemisphere for a couple of years, and I love the life of the Southern Hemisphere. But when we got to November, December, and it's the sun's going down at 1030 at night or 11 o'clock at night, there's no reason to put lights in your house. There's hardly a reason to put lights on the tree. Uh, it, it, I mean, you could, light, you could go around today to go shopping. I was in stores this morning and they had the lights on the tree on, etc. It's not the same experience as what happens at nighttime mm -hmm. when you have that tree in a somewhat darkened room or darkened space and you see those lights come on and you sit there and it brings up wonder. And that's what this whole season is about, is new wonder. Reawakening some 
forgotten magic that all the hard work of the last year we 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 have lost that sense of the magic and that is to inspire us and to lead us in the now and so we come back to this dark time to sit in a hallowed darkness knowing that it's always the face of a new beginning man oh man oh man that's really beautiful now we were talking about darkness and you were like yes but it's about hope and not a hope someday not putting it off but now yeah so can can you take well, us into hope? so yeah it just uh, you know I, I love Advent and I love Christmas and I, I I'll just say right now I apologize to everyone that this past year <laughs> the book on Christmas did not get written. What got finished was my new book about returning from Camino, which I highly recommend. Available on Amazon and what's it's it already been translated into four languages. Whoa, what's it called? Returning from Camino. Returning from Camino, available where fine books are sold. It and on Amazon. And on Amazon. Uh, and and it's the experience of coming home from pilgrimage, mm-hmm. and already I've had people from all manner of pilgrimage say this is this book has really meant a great deal to them, and now I'm hearing people saying, I've just gone through a great grief, or I've just had an ecstatic experience, and they're finding that this book speaks to how you come home from any sort of deep experience that has both expanded and unsettled you. You aren't who you were you, because of this experience, and now you don't fit into your life like you used to. Yeah. And that's so this, so you've experienced something that's great beyond words, maybe, and yet it's also brought with it disruption and grief and people yes. around you who, who weren't there and don't know what you're talking about. Precisely. Ah, this is a gift. I should have me. talked to you. That's a great title. You aren't who you were. <laughs> yeah. I, which, I might add that as the subtitle in the second edition, which is coming. But Oh, that would bring that. You know I love the titling. Well. <laughs> and the subtitling. Was, it's, but, it, but it's true. Yeah. It's like you aren't. And, yeah. and you don't understand yourself when you've come back. And the people around you are, are really struggling to understand the experience. You can't even put language on no, what's happened to not, you. Not and, initially. And what this means going forward. Not initially. Let alone the people around you who may even love you very much and support you, and yet they're like, what do we do with this? Right. Oh, right. I know all about this. Okay. Oh, so, 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 so that here, book is out. Great. Yeah, so that book is out. I, I am now seriously, folks... Uh, with all apologies, but you have my commitment. I am now starting the Christmas book, the 13 days of Christmas. I think it's going to be the 13 days of Christmas. Um, and I hope, I pray, and I expect it will be available next autumn. All right. Let's talk about this hope stuff. Yes. Um, I'm concerned about hope. I, I, I'm concerned about that it's not help, that, that this idea is not helping us. Uh, first of all, if I'm hoping... By the way, that's a great opener. That's good. I'm already like, what the... Wait, what? Well, yeah. <laughs> well, what's going on in you when you're hoping for something? It places everything in the future. Yep. Whether it's tomorrow or three weeks from now mm-hmm. or that moment that the gifts get opened under the Christmas tree, et cetera, et cetera. It's somewhere out there. And you miss... 
now. And Christianity is always about now. So unless, in, in my way of thinking about this of late, unless you do embracing the darkness in the now, Christmas is not, quote-unquote, Christmas is, 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 is going to have a really hard time coming. Because if, if you've raced ahead to some inline, some goal, crossing the, the goal line, um, you're not doing the internal presence of now that's going to actually let that open up in you. It's like you're, you're sitting back in some passive way waiting for something over there. And this time of November, December, this Advent time is, can you go in and embrace the darkness? Can you look around and see what spirit is doing in you in terms of new dreams? Maybe new sorrows. Can you be in what is what this darkness is doing with you right now? And can you know that when this darkness has done what it is intended to do with you right now at some point, that it will open up into exactly the vitality and the giftedness that you want? Mm. But you can't get there by hoping. You can only get there by now and. And, and if I look at the gospel texts, I don't see them valuing. I, well, let me say this because I, when, when, we're, when we're up to it and our backs are against the wall and our lives have, are, have broken in some fundamental way, it's really important for us to quote unquote hope that things are going to turn around. That's a first stance and a valued first stance. But I want to suggest to you that if you stay in this work longer, that hope is going to turn into knowing. That hope is the bridge. Hope is not the place to rest, to say I've arrived because I can hope. As Christians or as people of deep spirituality, our life is about knowing that there's a higher power, knowing that there's a plan and a God, and that my life is in response to that. And whatever God's time is God's time. And that's something different than hoping, because hoping has doubt and uncertainty and some anxiousness and wondering. And knowing is about, all right, God's given me something to do today, even if that, even if what I have to do today is sorrow. That's what I'm here to do today, and that's the only thing that matters. And in God's time, in Spirit's time, something else will open up in me. Did you, did you, how did you come to this? My own life. I mean... I can read all the books and I can but but basically it's it's my own life. I've lived through many 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 
difficult times in my life. And I, I think I wasted a lot of that difficult time hoping for something when today, when those difficult times happen and those difficult experiences happen, I'm like, okay, this is now. This is God. This is now. This is my work. This is my heart. This is my love. So, so it's like you learned through the difficulty at all on the front end now instead of that thing that kicks in, which is, oh, man, I can't wait for this to be over. Or, oh, I, 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 this isn't working. As soon as this is fixed, then you just catch yourself on the front end. Yeah. I'm not going to live with my joy being up, uh, up ahead in the road. Exactly. Because and I, of whatever it is that's in the way yeah, right now. Yeah. I, I, and Rob, I mean... I've spent a lot of my time in my life waiting on the then. I understand that experience, but I'm very grateful that really it's through the surgery two and a half years ago and what's happened in me since then, I can say it's just now. It's only now. And there have been some searingly difficult things in the past year, but it's only now, and I'm loving it. Man, oh man. I, uh, well, and uh, the same sort of things got shaped in me of, oh, if I'm someday, waiting for someday, it never works. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. never, it never delivers what mm -hmm. it was supposed to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's the hardest thing on the Camino. I mean, I, I, I really name myself now as a Camino Mint, as a, Pilgrim mentor, uh, not so you a go pilgrim. out on the Camino Trail in Spain for fifty-five days. Fifty-five. Oh, this, this coming year we're going to do twenty-eight days, but usually it's fifty-five. And the thing is to help people pull back from I'm on this to get anywhere. I'm on this to be on this path today. I'm on this path to experience what I'm going to experience today. Today is my whole Camino. It's not about. The big city I'm walking towards is not about some place at the end of in, in, at the end of our days. It's not about some certificate I'm going to get. It's about right now. And and this year's group I think really moved into that reality uh, earlier. I don't quite know how I'm trying to understand, but it's the beauty for that time on the Camino of living every day and letting any sense of a goal fade away. And then at the end of that 55 days, we could sit together and say, wow, look at what's opened up in me by living the nowness of these 55 days. I, I uh, see this all the time with parents who have this, there's something they're trying to fix on their kid. And that, which is fine. You love the kid and you want the kid to be faster, stronger, better, smarter, whatever. But it's so striking to me how often in the midst of it, the parent has lost the wonder and awe that you even have a kid <laughs> to be anxious about. Yeah. Like, what are the, you have a human being who you get to shape and mold. Yeah. You lost the wonder and awe. Yeah, yeah. And I've noticed you and often that's... link hope 
and nowness with wonder and awe. I do, and I don't know if it's just my way, um, but it's it's when I'm in the when I'm in the now, I'm in the incredible, wondrous mystery of now, and that's that's the same experience I had as a seven-year-old opening a gift under the Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to live every day. I've been given this incredible gift. It's beautifully wrapped, and I want to find out what's in it, even if it's, as Rumi would say, a crowd of sorrows. So I I want to invite my Christian brothers and sisters, anybody else along this journey. to Everybody's a brother and sister. Yeah. Everybody, (laughs) whatever they are. Thank you for the redirect. Um, (laughs) It's like this dark season, every day in this dark season is presenting us a gift. Every day. What is it? How are you opening it? what, What feelings are there for you as you open it now? And I know, I know, I've had three people very close to me die in December. I know the grief and the pain of December. It's also the month of my birthday, and I know the wonder of December, and it's also got this piece called Christmas. And uh, I know that December is a very, very mixed bag for most of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can we open each day as the gift, not with a goal line down towards the end of the month? That's what our Celtic ancestors were doing. And uh, they, uh, and I, I think we, we may have touched upon this just a bit in, when we were talking last year, but I like to remember that when the day before the winter solstice, which was December the 25th, on December the 24th, the Celts went out and they decorated a barren oak tree. And when they looked at the barren tree, they saw the miracle of birth. They knew, they weren't hoping, they knew that this barrenness would bear the beautiful boughs uh, of springtime some months down the road. And so they decorated the barrenness uh, as the image of of, uh, birth. Christians came along and they saw this on the day before uh, the winter solstice and they went, ah, we, we know this. We know this story. This is the tree of, of uh, the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. And we know that, <clears throat> and I'm going to open this up larger for us, we know that if we embrace the darkness in our life, and wish to integrate the darkness in us, that it will open up for us the gift of the Christ, which teaches us deeper the knowledge of good and evil. We know this. And so when we saw them decorating the sacred tree on December the 24th, we took that and brought it into our tradition and then we erected 
one great sacred tree for the village or for the church. And we understood that in the great feast of Christmas, that the garden was reopened to us. The garden was reopened to all. That those, that the, those dualistic stories, we were called to go beyond those dualistic stories and to understand how the garden is an integrative experience in all of human life. But we also took the way to open that experience up in us is by hallowing the dark time of November and December. It's not just December the 24th, put up a tree and proclaim that the garden is open, that the way for us to truly open that garden inside of us is by embracing the hallowed darkness day by day. That's just beautiful. That's just beautiful. Tell me... We could just go on and on <laughs> and on. Tell me how, um, what's coming this next year for you. What do people know need to know about? How can they connect with you? Because um, I often find you're opening up all of these places and I need more, but you, uh, where can people go from here? Well, okay, so th there's a whole series of things, but I, <clears throat> there's a big thing coming in January that everybody has access to. In that last summer, the uh, film company, The Work of the People, uh, took me out to a, a forest uh, north of San Francisco for six days, and uh, I, I don't think I had a, a, have a, a, a thought that wasn't put on film. <laughs> and they are going to release six films in January. Each film is about 35, 40 minutes. And it takes you through the four gospel journey and through my oh, book wow. called Heart and Mind. Yeah. Um, I have seen the films. I And I, honestly, Rob, it's the best thing that I've ever done. I, I, I often have a hard time looking at myself or, or listening to myself. I sat and I listened to these. I looked at these. I was transfixed. I cried. At yourself. I cried at what I was saying. That's amazing. Because it comes through. It's this is yeah. not me. Yeah. Um, anyway, the the six films are going to be available on the Quadratus website for some subscription renting. We're trying to work all that out, but Great. that that's going to be released sometime in Great. in uh, January. Um, I'll be back and forth across the states for the first couple of months, and, and then I'm off to Spain uh, for a while to sit and write to finish up the Christmas book. Um, I, very honestly, what I'm trying to do this year is I'm trying to pull back on my travel and my public appearances so I can write more. All right. Well, the world needs more Alexander Shia, so... Well, I, it's like the joy is palpable, and while it's here, I, I want to pour it into the writing. Fantastic. That's great. That's great. You have taught me so much. I know for so many Robcast folks, you have been yeah. an endless fountain of wisdom. <clears throat> Did you see, Were you going to say something else? Yeah, there, there, oh, okay. there's one more thing I need to talk about or want to talk about about this coming year. Yeah. Um, I have a new sponsor or partnership for the Camino. 
and it's called the Missional Wisdom Foundation, a Methodist-based group out of Dallas doing phenomenal work in terms of repurposing churches as uh, like community centers in low-income neighborhoods. With um, And they also offer pilgrimage. They offer pilgrimages to Iona. I now join with them, and they will become my partner in offering the pilgrimage to uh to the Camino. So if people want to hike the Camino in Spain with you, there are spots. People could do this. Yes. Yes. And where do people contact you for that sort of thing? Uh, go to my website. Got it. Quadratus.com. Love it. And uh, we even have just put up some films on on the website, which are videos of this year's pilgrims uh, who graciously w- were willing to be videoed and talk about their experience. Go look at, even if, even if you don't walk the Camino, go look, go listen to those experiences. They are phenomenal. I love it. I love it. Anyway, so. I love what you're up to and I love it that you survived what you survived three years ago. Day by day. And that you're here more alive than ever. Yeah. It's true. It's like you're just getting started. I feel that. That's, Fantastic. Yeah, seriously. This is also the month that I have to go through all the medical tests again. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's that little shadow that, that uh, sits there. But um, mm. I'm loving every day. Well, once again, it was wonderful to see you. And darkness and hope. Yeah. yeah. And nowing. Nowing. How do we spell that? N O W I N G. I N G. <laughs> yeah. Nowing. Nowing. Versus so I, thening. I, We're not thening. Mm-mm. 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 We don't do thening. We do nowing. Yeah. So I really want to wish everyone that they will f- embrace as much as, as, their po- as possible this time of the darkness, this time of the holy darkness. And uh, at, in the night, uh, light your candles to decorate it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Grace and peace, my friends. Thank you, Alexander. Thank you, Rob.